Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and welcome to day two of the questioning of Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson. A lot has been learned over the last 24 hours. I hope you enjoyed the coverage we've had wall-to-wall on justthenews.com. It is a pretty remarkable moment. Listen, Judge Jackson clearly has scholarly answers. She's clearly composed. She clearly has a clear judicial philosophy. But I think at the end of these hearings, and she's almost certainly going to get approved by the Democratic-led Senate, but the Republicans have done something very important for America. And what is that? They have been able to show through the person and training and answers of Judge Jackson that there's a whole generation of lawyers and jurists and academics that have come out of the liberal institutions like Harvard and Yale who have philosophies that are completely disconnected, first, from the reality in America, and secondly, from the sentiments and values of middle America. And why do I say that? Let me just give you a couple thoughts. We have a potential judicial nominee one vote away from the Supreme Court who actually told her law students that critical race theory should become part of the sentencing concepts for a judge and for the policymakers that prescribe sentences in the Congress. What is critical race theory? It's actually banned in most states, or many states, it's now banned, particularly Republican states. It says that your skin color is going to predetermine whether you remain oppressed or you become an oppressor. Your skin color, that is what this judicial nominee believes this justice, Supreme Court justice, this Supreme Court justice nominee said she could not answer what a woman was. Now, I'm pretty sure Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a great champion of women's on the left, by the way, on this court, could answer that question. She couldn't. This is a woman that, as a judge, went below the sentencing guidelines for numerous child pornographers 
in child sex predators and wrote articles, sometimes anonymously, suggesting that sex predators, child sex predators particularly, were being treated unfairly, too harshly. I don't think a lot of people feel that. And if you saw Senator Lindsey Graham's response with Judge Jackson today, you see the frustration and the expression of middle America's sentiments on that. And this judge has argued that the United States government does not have the right to hold as enemy combatants terrorists who attacked a forward operating base and tried to kill our soldiers in Iraq or Afghanistan. They can't be treated as enemy combatants. This Supreme Court justice nominee has argued. There was all sorts of talk about critical race theory supporting the 1619 Project. Now, what is the 1619 Project? You know it's from the New York Times, but you might not know really what it espouses. It espouses that the founding of America wasn't 1776 and the creation of the Declaration of Independence. It was 1619, the year the first slave was brought to America, meaning that slavery defines America, not its constitution, its declaration, its fight against the British tyranny that the Revolutionary War gave birth to, not the Bill of Rights. Its founding is because a slave was brought here in 1619, or the first slaves. It views America through the lens of slavery, just like critical race theory views your future economic, political, and socioeconomic opportunities defined solely by the color of your skin, something that Martin Luther King rejected over and over again during the great moments of the civil rights movement. He said he looked forward to the day where skin color wasn't your predeterminant, but the character of the person inside was. So this is what's on trial. It's actually not Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson that's on trial. It is the philosophy of the far left, of the Marxist-infused left that is on trial. They're not attacking personally, Republicans aren't, Judge Jackson They're attacking a philosophy that has been ingrained in these collegiate Harvard Law, Yale Law, Princeton Law schools. They've turned out an entire generation of elitists that think just like this Supreme Court nominee does. That is the story of these hearings. As a reporter watching them, that is what is being defined here today. The disconnect between elitist liberal America and their defenders in the media and the social media the Democratic Party, some in the security establishment, as we saw, and everyday Americans who have a much different view. They would much rather judge a person by the character inside and the skill sets that they have and say that person's character, that person's skills can carry them to great places than to say, you know, just because you're black, you ain't getting out of the ghetto. Just because you're white, you'll never stop being racist. Most Americans don't subscribe to that, but the elitist trying to put Judge Jackson on the court. The elitists who resemble Judge Jackson, and they're white, they're black, they're all different colors, they just espouse a historical and policy view of America that is antithetical to our foundings. Hey, we have bad history. We made mistakes, the Civil War, slavery, Jim Crow, those were pox on the American dream, but they aren't the definition of America. The definition of America is a country where all men, all women are created equal. They have equal opportunity to succeed. They don't have to have equal outcome. Some people get lazy. Some people are unskilled. Some people make bad decisions. We're not guaranteed the outcome, though some on the left believe that's what we're trying to achieve. 
we're guaranteed the equalness of our opportunity. And I think Judge Jackson epitomizes a subset of elitist America that does not subscribe to that view of America, but rather to the idea that race and slavery and sin and victimization are the only predeterminant of the American experience. And I think you and I and others have to look at that and speak out against it. We're not attacking a black woman. I don't even see a black woman when I see Judge Jackson. I see a jurist with a judicial philosophy built on the Marxist principles and the Harvard principles that aren't the American principles shared by most Americans today. That's all I see. Her skin color is irrelevant to me. Her judicial capability and her intellect and her philosophies are. And by the way, her intellect is very strong. Her demeanor is very polished. This is not an unskilled woman. But the question is, is her philosophies, her judicial values, critical race theory, what we want on the United States Supreme Court? Do we really want a Supreme Court justice that can't even answer who is or what is a woman? I don't know. You'll have to answer that for yourself. That's a question for you, not for me to answer. All right, folks, we've got an incredible show, starting with some breaking news. My good colleague, Greg Piper, broke a big one. I call it the story of journalists gone wild. The large government media conglomerate that has the voice of America, Radio Free Asia, Radio Free Europe, Radio Free Cuba. It had a 10, 12 year record of enormous security lapses, security inattention. 1,500 of its 4,000 journalists were granted security clearances. I bet you didn't even know journalists got security clearances in the government medium that weren't properly vetted, that posed a significant security risk to the establishment of the United States government. An incredible story. Greg Piper is going to bring that to us in detail as the lead reporter at Just the News that broke the story. Then we're going to play an interview from last night's television show where Amanda and I interviewed the head of that global media empire, the U.S. Agency for Global Media, Michael Pack. He was the Trump-appointed and the first-ever Senate-approved appointee for that job. And he's the man who blew the whistle on his own agency. He got fired for it. He got demeaned for it. He got sued for it. But Michael Pack has been willing to blow the whistle. And you're going to hear why he blew the whistle and what he found. A 10-year, 12-year record of neglect in an $850 million government-backed journalism empire. That's going to be great. And then we're going to finish up with one of the candidates we've had on the show before from Georgia, Mike Collins, a truck driver, an owner of a truck company, really connected to middle America, running for Congress in the 10th district of Georgia. Mike Collins will finish up for us today. What a great show. No reason to keep you from it. We're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back. First up, Greg Piper, Just the News, journalist extraordinary, going to tell us the story of journalists gone wild on the government payroll right after this. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens 
can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I'm so glad to have this next guest on. I'm so glad to work with this next guest every day at Just the News. He is the premier, I really believe this, the premier reporter in this country covering cancel culture, covering uh, the... Uh, censorship front, whether it's on medical or politics. Uh, and he has one of the most important investigative stories of this month out there now. Joining me right now are the great Justin News correspondent, Greg Piper. Greg, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. We have an amazing story up there. You've done a lot of work on this. I know you worked on this for over a month. There are thousands of pages of documents, but we have this large $850 million a year conglomerate in government called the U.S. Global Media News Agency, and its mission has been to take America's news and its message and send it to the world, but it looks more like a bad movie of journalists gone wild. Tell us a little bit about what you found out when you dug into these investigative records about this agency. Sure. Uh, This is the U.S. Agency uh, for Global Media. Uh, It hosts the Voice of America and uh, several other networks that uh, target foreign audiences. And it uh, has years of uh, warnings from uh, uh, federal watchdogs basically saying you have some serious uh, security issues. Uh, You're not doing appropriate background checks. Uh, You actually lost your delegated authority. That's the, uh, That's the federal term of art. To, uh, to do these checks, which most other agencies outsource to uh, intelligence services. Um, and, uh, and as a result, you are basically an easy way to get into the federal government uh, for foreign governments who are looking to plant their own people there, uh, go through uh, a background check that uh, may be done on old forms, may uh, have basically just been rubber stamped uh, using visas that are a really odd choice for people working the federal government or journalists at all. Um, and uh, n- none of us are really uh, uh, tracking it right now because of these investigations. Uh, so uh, this goes back to um, at least 2012. This was an agency that was widely agreed on a bipartisan basis, was not telling America's message to the world. That was actually uh, yeah. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, how she portrayed it back then. That's right. She uh, was as critical and, as the Republicans. So this is something that has been kind of on, on, on the bipartisan radar for many years now. 
Um, but uh, these, these warnings from uh, the federal watchdogs have just kind of kind of gone under the radar for a long time. People just kind of ignored them or waved them off, or you know, it's a it's an agency that doesn't get much attention most of the time. It was just not considered maybe something that uh, the American people should be concerned about. Yeah, it's remarkable. And so let's walk through some things that I think most everyday Americans don't know and that you illuminated so brilliantly. So we have a large staff of journalists, about 4,000 journalists that work for the different outlets, Radio for Europe, Radio for Cuba, Voice of America. They're on the government payroll, and many of them have security clearances up to the top secret level. Is that correct? Some of them do. The, the clearances kind of range here depending on what they're getting hired to do. Um, but uh, even even some of the, the clearances that are at the lower level still give them pretty broad access to uh, to a- agency records and, and databases and systems like that. Uh, you don't have to be a top secret clearance to really be able to cause some trouble just based on a kind of a lower level clearance that you'll get. Yeah, that's it. So, But they have access to country secrets, whether it's confidential, secret, top secret. Uh, that doesn't happen in the uh, professional uh, corporate journalism world. We don't get security clearances, though sometimes we do get access to classified information through through our reporting. But so you've got a group and the numbers that were in this report, if I read this correctly, 1,500 of the 4,000 um, folks had inadequate or problematic background checks before they got some form of security clearance. Uh, that's about 40% of the workforce over a 10-year period. Is that right? Yes. This happened over many years. This was not a one- or a two-year thing. This, this goes back for a long time. The, this agency's authority to actually do the, this, uh, these investigations, this delegated authority, uh, technically expired, I think, in 2012. So everything that they were doing here, uh, they, they could say we still dotted our I's and crossed our T's, but they technically lost their authority and uh, just kind of kept doing it after several warnings. It's just amazing. And then other intelligence agencies or other federal agencies recognized their clearances, even though these had been flagged, which kind of compounds the problem, which is nobody was staying up and saying, listen, this isn't a secure uh, government agency. Uh, let's stop working with them until they fix their, their problem. And these aren't partisans saying this, right? It's the Office of Personnel Management, which is a career office, uh, the Office of DNI and the intelligence communities. Um, how could this go on for so long without somebody putting their foot down saying, we're not going to let this go on anymore? That's a good question. I, I haven't necessarily, it hasn't really made sense to me either because these warnings came out uh, every, every couple of years or so uh, from OPM, from ODNI, like you said. Um, and they basically just said, you need to keep working on this. You need to make some progress on this. And uh, when you actually look at these investigations of particular officials here, uh, the, uh, the firm that was doing these investigations said they kind of just blew them off. Um, or, or they tried to portray whatever little progress they were making as much bigger than it was. Um, the, the feds eventually put their foot down in 2020 and said, we are forcibly stopping you from doing these investigations now. We're tired of asking. We're tired of kind of coming back to you. It's, uh, it, it is a little bit strange how long it took for, for a security issue portrayed as a serious uh, for uh, m- multiple administrations now, uh, Obama administration, Trump administration, um, to uh, to kind of let this go on as long as it was. Uh, maybe it's just people think this is kind of a small agency. It's not going to hit the headlines and right. they're not going to be in trouble for it. Yeah, such a great point to look at. Now, we have great intelligence experts that come on this show often. We've had uh, Fred Flights, former chief of staff to the National Security Agency. We had Dan Hoffman come on regularly. He's the former station chief for the CIA in Moscow, one of the true Russian tradecraft uh, spy experts in the world. And they have said this to me many times on this show, which is 
Our enemies look for the weaknesses in the system and they try to exploit it. Um, there is a recent episode that occurred, I guess in the last few weeks, where a Voice of America employee, a journalist, uh, has been identified as working or uh, having suspicions of working as a Russian spy. He had lots of stories he wrote. Uh, the Polish authorities arrested him when they caught him spying for the Russians, they say. And now VOA is forced to look at it. Is this the sort of security risk that these warnings for a decade were pointing toward? The possibility somebody bad could get inside the system? That's exactly it. I mean, you're basically looking for a weak point within the federal government and whichever agency seems to be doing kind of the most slapdash investigations here, the ones where people are not looking closely, they're not following established procedures, um, uh, the, the paperwork may be missing. There, there may not be a paper trail to actually verify uh, the background check on this person. You look for that agency. Uh, and then through reciprocity agreements with other federal agencies, they can go from uh, from USAGM, from Voice of America, into potentially uh, higher up more sensitive agencies uh, who may not uh, be able to find out that there was anything uh, improper that was done when they were originally vetted. So the, the concern here is somewhat that you do have potentially America's enemies getting into this agency and kind of telling stories uh, from from a different country's perspective, not from the U.S. perspective, which is uh, the stated mission of the agency. It can also be that you don't want them to uh, have easy transfer to other agencies that presumably would have been farming out their investigations to the intelligence services. Yeah, remarkable. And, and, and this literally happens as you're reporting out this arrest in Poland occurred, right? As you're reporting out this story, such a prescient moment in there. Uh, another thing that we heard, and we had uh, Michael Pack on our TV show last night. We're going to um, play a little bit of his interview in the next block here on the on the podcast. But And you're coming out tonight. We're really excited to have you on Just the News, Not Noise tonight. But uh, Michael Pack said that another problem is that a lot of the reporters that work for these institutions don't believe, don't support... Uh, the mission. They're actually not practicing the mission to give an unbiased look of America to the world. Uh, did you find any of that in your reporting? Any red flags and of reporters either not doing what they were paid to do uh, or reporters taking money and repurposing it for themselves? I talked to a, a career staffer in the agency who kind of shared shared a little bit of the, uh, their concern about how the journalism was actually being done um, in the agency, ba- basically saying, uh, we are not necessarily uh, telling foreign audiences about act- active debates and discussions happening in America. We're not giving them a presentation of what it is to be an American and kind of what, what it is to be a citizen to have these debates. We're often running stories that have minimal connection to America uh, that aren't necessarily even original reporting. They do, they do a lot of wire service uh, reports. Um, and uh, it's it simply whatever you think about the security issues there, that the journalism that's being put out uh, from this agency is is not what it's supposed to be doing under its statutory mandate. Um, it, it kind of is maybe like, like a Me Too. It's trying to uh, be like other mainstream media, trying right. to especially push storylines that put America in a bad light. Uh, it, it doesn't mean they have to uh, run with coverage that is basically American propaganda, but foreign audiences should have some idea of what we are actively debating and discussing in America. And, uh, and this career staffer said, we're just not doing that. It's a long running problem. Wow. So we pay $850 million. We've created a security vulnerability possibly through the vetting process. And we have reporters and journalists that aren't actually carrying out the mission of their agencies as uh, they're, uh, they're being paid to do and as the charters require. That's a pretty remarkable um, uh, product. And, and it's almost a billion dollars a year. It's just at some point, uh, it seems as though 
Uh, people have to stand up and take a much closer look at this. Michael Pack was the first ever Senate-approved leader of this news organization. He um, uh, was on the job just eight months. He tried to get a handle on this, hired a law firm that dug up all of the problems that you've just enumerated. What was the reaction, first, of his employees to this? And two, what was the reaction of the oversight communities like the State Department IG that should be policing these voices of America in the global media empire? The responses that I heard about were kind of bifurcated between the long-running agency people, if you'd say the civil servants who have been there for a long time, who are claiming this was an attack on press freedom, on editorial independence, the Trump administration coming in and, and just trying to kind of promote some propaganda uh, through the agency, uh, the Trump appointees I talked to said we were just responding to long-running problems uh, that you had ignored for years uh, from federal watchdogs who were highlighting your security concerns, and, and we were just doing what we basically had to. We were doing due diligence to clean up these problems, to basically redo all the background checks so people had, had been fully authenticated for the first time, people who maybe had been there for years before. As, as you can imagine, the mainstream media pretty much went with the first narrative when this yeah, happened. Of course. Basically saying, uh, the Trump administration comes in and just and just wants another mouthpiece for its propaganda. Uh, the uh, when, when this complaint went to the State Department's Inspector General, they waited a long time to give a response. I'm not actually sure how long a response should take, but uh, it looked like 11 months before they got a response. This was late last year. Um, and uh, it, it wasn't especially long, and it was basically just saying uh, the agency has acknowledged these problems. It has started to seriously work on them, um, and uh, it has, uh, it's under oversight now by uh, uh, the Director of National Intelligence, uh, the Office of Personnel Management, who are more closely watching now, and we're not going to make any recommendations. It's kind of all, let's, let's forget about the past, let's just move forward. Yeah. And it, it seems like a like a fairly mild response to something that goes back, uh, you know, almost a decade of, uh, of an agency that was not doing legitimate security reviews for so long that had people who were, were coming in and who were um, who were accused and found in this law, uh, this law firm investigation of misusing funds, of misusing especially taxpayer funds, congressionally appropriated funds. Of um, being really careless with data security practices, uh, forwarding stuff to their personal emails, um, uh, in some cases refusing to to actually document important conversations, um, uh, taking things. One official who's accused of repeatedly saying, "Let's take this offline," basically trying to prevent a paper trail yep. uh, from kind of coming back when it comes to these sensitive discussions about uh, personnel, how they're spending money, how they got in, um, their, their various activities here. So the portrayal that, that you see that the, the state uh, inspector general is just kind of like, well, that, that was in the past. They're under supervision now. Um, those seem like fairly similar, uh, fairly severe things in any agency, um, and, and particularly one here where we have especially a, a lot of uh, foreign nationals coming in. Um, we are hiring people, uh, even though there was a Trump administration directive basically not to do this at the time, to predominantly hire foreign nationals for a lot of these jobs, people who were coming in um, and who you'd think would be subject to more stringent background checks because they're foreign nationals. Uh, but uh, according to this investigation, that just didn't happen much. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Now, there were some employees that the investigation said warranted be dismissed. They were dismissed. I think three of them. What happened to them after Joe Biden became president? They were quickly brought back. Uh, <laughs> it was it was re restoring them. Uh, I don't think there was really any explanation of um, uh, why you didn't at least want to do new investigations of them. 
before bringing them on. Uh, as far as I know, uh, they were kind of just, just brought back with no conditions, put in their old positions, um, uh, rather, rather than uh, if the Biden administration wanted to make sure this, this wasn't a kangaroo court investigation that had been done by the prior administration of, of kind of going back through and figuring out, well, are there deficiencies in this investigation? It really just looks like they were brought on very quickly to kind of restore, to store, uh, score some cheap political points to say, look, uh, you know, editorial independence, media freedom has been restored, succeeded here, we've overcome this, uh, this previous administration that tried to, you know, destroy this agency and, you know, use it for its own ends. So it, it's kind of just like they're pretending nothing happened there. But, of course, there's years of warnings uh, from uh, nonpartisan career investigators uh, that still remain public record here. And now a lot more stuff that uh, is available because it's now in the congressional record. And uh, they can keep trying to ignore it. But I think there's probably going to be uh, more journalists looking into this and saying, is this really just a media freedom story? Or yeah. are you just using that as kind of a narrative here to cover up more serious internal issues? Yep, a weapon of mass distraction so that we didn't really find out what was going on. There's one amazing anecdote in your story today. It literally, I I literally fell off my chair when I saw this and I read the documents beneath it and like, wow, this is amazing. There is a part of this global agency that was called the Open Technology Fund and it had a charter and had taxpayer money. And one of these executive journalists uh, in the thing if I understand correctly, and I'm going to have you tell this, uh, basically took the money and said, I'm just sending that to a nonprofit I control and I'm going to move it out from under uh, the Open Technology Fund. Uh, did that really happen? And what happened to that employee? What happened is this, uh, this fund had been part of Radio Free Asia. It was kind of like a, like a project within this, this one component of the agency broadcasting to Asia um, and specifically dedicated to circumventing firewall, internet firewall, uh, technology so that you could uh, you could get uh, reporting from the U.S. to these foreign audiences who maybe have to go through very uh, strict government uh, internet filters. Um, so, th- so the point really there is, is a very noble thing. It's something that the government has done for a long time is trying to get around uh, hostile government yeah. uh, uh, attempts to to shut down uh, fairly objective actual journalism uh, coming into their country. Um, so when uh, there was discussion about spinning off this organization, which is fully funded by taxpayers, uh, this, is, this official basically left, spun it off, uh, as, uh, as I was told, uh, put it under this person's own name as an, as an independent organization and uh, refused repeated requests from uh, members, members of Congress to actually explain how they were spending money. Uh, the the <laughs> allegations here... Are, um, are they, they would spend a lot of money on conferences. They moved to a really pricey part of uh, D.C., kind of the lobbying area of D.C. Um, they, were, they were paying essentially full salaries to people without explaining what they did. Um, and the, the whole point of, of this fund, as it, as it uh, was created, was to get around censorship. But the, they were uh, allegedly using it basically just kind of to have fun, to have conferences, to you know, do networking and, um, and reward kind of their friends. Journalists so, gone wild. It's crazy. It's just so, crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's something that uh, I, I'm sure would be uh, a, a good project for a follow-up investigation. It's still going on. Yeah, you're doing amazing. Listen, this story is an amazing piece of journalism. You did such great work on it. We're going to have you back on the TV show tonight. I can't wait to have uh, have some further discussion about this. Folks, if you haven't seen Greg's reporting, the headline today is Federal Agency That Broadcasts America's Message to the world had chronic security lapses. It is a must read of extraordinary, great investigative journalism. Greg, we love what you do and thanks for coming on the show today.
Thanks for having me. Yeah, great job. Really excited about it. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to play a little bit of our interview with Michael Pack, the guy who ran this agency and finally blew the whistle on what was going on. You're going to want to hear that right after this commercial break. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We're going to break a story tonight right here in the show about security concerns inside the U.S. government-run global news media empire. A lot of taxpayers don't realize they pay for news organizations like Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, and Radio Free Cuba to target pro-American news at foreign allies and adversaries. Coming up in a few seconds, we'll be joined by the people who are responsible for bringing this scandal to light. A really important lesson to be learned about security concerns and about public transparency, which we didn't have a lot of until our guests were here. The man who launched the investigation into these issues is here with us tonight, the great filmmaker, the former head of the U.S. Global Media Agency, Michael Pack. Michael, great to have you here tonight. Good to be on. Thank you, John. First off, tell us what prompted you to hire a law firm to investigate some of the conduct, some of the issues that came to light in this investigation. Well, to just go into the security issues, but there are others as well. When I came to the agency, I found out that over a period of 10 years, there had been four reports 
from the Office of Personnel Management and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence pointing to security failures in the agency. According to the career uh, official in charge at the Office of Personnel Management, it was one of the greatest security failures she had ever run across. There are 4,000 people, employees of USAGM, and over those 10 years, 1,500 had been improperly cleared. I mean, it, it was, it's breathtaking. And, and there was a, a bunch with top secret and above clearances. But even the so-called suitability clearances gives them access to the computers and servers at USAGM and the State Department and elsewhere. I mean, it was really a scandal. And the senior officials of USAGM and all those others responsible had done very little over 10 years. So I thought we needed to investigate it. We needed, and because, we needed to find out what was going on. And because it involved so much of USAGM, it seemed to need an outside party to look into it. Michael, so the Director of National Intelligence Office, the DNI, said that there are security issues. But then when you took this and the State Department's Inspector General gave a response, they contradict each other. Can you illuminate that for our audience? Well, I didn't, you know, the Inspector General looked into it after I left the agency. I've not actually read the entirety of their report, but... You know, people think the inspector general are sort of nonpartisan organizations, but they are frequently have their own partisan agenda. And they are particularly influenced sometimes by the party in power, in this case, the Biden administration. So I don't really know. Uh, when I was there, I posted on the USAGM website the very last OPM report so people could see for themselves what was being alleged. I, I don't see how, how it's I mean, I tried to be totally transparent. I'm not sure what the State Department AG, you know, IG had found, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's accurate. And, and I, I suggest that anybody else look into the actual facts of it, as I think John and you will bring out over the next few minutes. Yeah, no, we did. We looked into this. Our, Piper, uh, our uh, reporter, Greg Piper, really dug into this. We're going to have a full story tomorrow. Going to put all these documents up for you to see. Michael, when you look at this, when you realize that there are journalists and executives in these uh, uh, news media organizations that had security clearances, they weren't properly processed, there may not be security threats that have been checked out. Uh, what is the ultimate risk to the American public, to the United States government, when there is this lax a system out there? It's just, it, it's the risk of any kind of security failures. You know, our information and our um, servers and computers are open to potentially foreign intelligence services. And in my time at USAGM, there were three separate people who our own intelligence services told me they were watching. I obviously can't go into detail. And another one has come up since. I mean, so it's not, it's clear there's a real risk here. But, but anyway, why have security procedures if you're not going to follow them? In, in this case, the USAGM staff had done some very odd things like making up false social security numbers, failing to fire, file fingerprints with the proper agency. I mean, really lax. I mean, I think, John, that part of it is there had just been inadequate supervision of this agency since it was founded in the late 90s and run by a, a very absent board. Michael, I, I want to get down to dollars and cents. I mean, we know that there is an exorbitant number of taxpayer dollars that are spent on government funded media. But can you can you pinpoint that number? How much of my money as a taxpayer is going towards agencies like this? Well, the U.S. Agency for Global Media has a budget of around eight hundred and fifty million a year, which makes it really one of the biggest media organizations in the world. It's just a midsize government agency compared to the Defense Department or even the State Department. But 
compared to other media organizations, perhaps even Real America's Voice, 850 million is a lot of money. And it employs 4,000 people. They brought, it broadcasts in 70 languages all over the world to an audience they estimate at 350 million a week. So it's a very powerful organization. And I think one of the sources of the intense opposition to me was that the people in charge didn't want it to be brought back to its core mission, which is to be fair and balanced reporter of the news and to promote American principles like democracy and, and uh, freedom around the world. Yeah, that's what these agencies were founded to do. But when you were there, you learned a lot about the culture. And I, I, it probably is a, a larger statement about the overall culture of news media today. But tell us a little bit, Michael, about what you saw about uh, reporters and journalists resisting the core mission of these agencies. Well, at, at one level, I think it's similar to the resistance of any Trump appointee. The people in the agency felt he was an illegitimate president and anyway, didn't really know anything about the media. They knew best. They didn't need to follow him. And I, as his representative, you know, from the very beginning, they felt they could work to undermine me, really. And even before I came, as you know, John, I was three years and three months waiting for confirmation. So they had a lot of time to prepare and they launched an assault in the media, on the, in the courts, in Congress. I mean, it was very intense. And I, I think another, to go to the, the media culture point that you um, raised, the, the, mission of the, it's, it, the mission of all the, of the five broadcasters that are under the USAGM umbrella is really to report the news in an objective and fair way and reflect the full range of opinions in America. That's not the mission of, say, CNN or The Washington Post. They are private organizations and could do as they wish protected rightly by the First Amendment. I consider those organizations biased, but they have every right to be biased. However, that's not true for the taxpayer-funded media. So I think that they believe, really, in their heart of hearts, these journalists, that the peak of their profession is CNN and The Washington Post and The New York Times. And if they could aspire to that level of journalism, they would consider themselves doing a great thing. But I don't really see it that way. And, and, and for example, the USAGM ignored, like the rest of the mainstream media, the Hunter Biden laptop story. And, and they would say, well, we did what the, what, in their heart of hearts, they would say we did what CNN and The Washington Post did. But it is really not what the American people needed to hear. And that was all over conservative media. And it could have been on USAGM media, too. Yeah, you know, I, every day I feel like when we're dealing with people like this, when we use the term journalism, we're playing it a little fast and loose with that term as it <laughs> pertains to those folks. But you are a filmmaker. Uh, your amazing film a couple years ago about Clarence Thomas received rave reviews. And we've seen some conservative start production companies and movie houses, and they've put out some pretty good products. Uh, are we as conservatives getting better at culture? I think we're getting a little better, but not better enough. I think it's a, a really um, underfunded, undersupported area. I mean, I, I say that since the, the left has been pouring tens of billions of dollars into documentaries and nonfiction television, at least since the 60s, on our side, it's maybe tens of millions. So over the decades, there are hundreds of billions of dollars of difference, and they have built up a complete ecosystem that nurtures their filmmakers from film school to film festivals to distribution companies. And our documentary producers on our side do not have that support. We really need to step up. 
One of the things my company is doing is starting an incubator for young up and coming conservative or right of center documentary producers. And there are just way too few of them. We need way more. I mean, there are at least 100 times more on the left. We need to at least get to the 10 percent level. <laughs> That's a good goal. Mike, we got about 30 seconds left. Uh, Clarence Thomas in the hospital recovering from an infection. The legacy you, you were able to capture in the, in the movie. What do you think is that lasting legacy for him? I, I think that now is his moment to shine. I think it's really the Thomas court. Um, and I surely hope he recovers quickly as I hear that he will. I um, ask your viewers who are interested to go to our website, manifoldproductions.com. And just for this week only, it's actually screening for free on justicethomas.com, a different website, in an effort to provide some balance to the uh, Katanji Brown Jackson hearings. That's great. I love that. Today, Absolutely guys. brilliant. Yeah, with Manifold Productions, Michael Pack. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great interview last night on Real America's Voice on Just the News, Not Noise, my TV show with the amazing Amanda Head. Michael Pack blew the whistle on his own agency. He was in charge of it, and he decided to tell the truth about it. And for that, you heard, you got a lot of aggravation. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Mike Collins up next, candidate for Congress from the 10th District of Georgia. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Always glad to have this guy on my show. He makes news. He makes common sense. He's connected to the great trucking industry in this country, and he's running for Congress from the great state of Georgia. Joining me right now, Mike Collins. Mike, great to have you back on the show. Well, I appreciate you having me back, John. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk. We always have a great uh, great conversation. I always go, God, there's so much common sense when we talk. It's great. I love it. We need more common sense in Washington. So um, I want to start with the uh, story that we broke um, coming out of the weekend. The state election board has approved a subpoena giving the secretary of state the power to go get all the records he needs to figure out whether illegal ballot harvesting occurred in Georgia. Your reaction to that? Well, I think it's uh, better late than never. Uh, it's something that, you know, as, as I've stated before, John, I was there at those polls. You were. And, and, and in our small county, we only had one drop box. So most of the, the absentee ballots had to come in through that front door. And uh, unfortunately, uh, during the general election, we weren't allowed to see the actual signature verification. Yep. And, and, and I think that once they get past this, because we know – darn well that there was ballot harvesting out there. I saw stacks of absentees coming in. 
Once they get past that, there should be no question as to why we don't have a full audit on this entire state to see all of the absentee ballots that came in. Because the next thing you're going to see is a lot of them sitting in Fulton County that don't have signatures with them. Wow. You have a lot of confidence about that, aren't you, right? I saw it in Butts County. I saw it right there in the little county that I'm from. Now, our elections director, you know, would would call up the one person that may have signed it or the person as they were standing there. She would inform whoever it was, you need to get these others signed or they're not going to be counted. And uh, so we saw that going on. We didn't, we didn't, we were, like I said, during that November election, I actually called up since I'm chairman of our local party and asked about the signature verification. That's when we found out that we weren't going to be involved with it. And, And at that point in time, we knew right then that this may be trouble because everybody was getting an absentee ballot yeah no the 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 COVID changes to the election was really ticked uh, really used to give the democrats an advantage in the election there's no doubt about it now in fact listen when you read their documents from the spring and summer they were telling people they were going to take advantage of this and uh now i think we know that uh, how the system was affected and and uh where the you know, where the real concerns still lie. When you look back out, one of the questions that I've been doing a lot of research on, the Georgia law, uh, which was passed in 2019, probably anticipation that the Democrats might try some harvesting in 2020, uh, does create a penalty, but the penalty is for the third party activist who goes out and collects uh, a third party's ballots. There currently is no remedy for punishing or disqualifying a voter if they hand their ballot to someone that they shouldn't. Uh, as you look out and you're trying to create deterrence so that uh, that we have the best election for easy to vote, hard to cheat, is there room in the Georgia law? Would you support recommending that Georgia change its law to penalize both the voter and the uh, harvester if uh, they engage in such an action? Absolutely, John. You know, this is one of our most important rights and obligations as a citizen of this country. You know, you go to, uh, to those polls and you elect people to represent us in, in, in everything from federal, state, and local level. And when you let someone cheat and get away with it, that, that infringes on my right. And uh, yes, sir, 100%. I, and, and, and I think that, uh, you know, you go back to what you were just talking about with Stacey Abrams. You know, I really believe that her first run for governor was a prelude to what they thought they could get away with in the the next presidential election because it was mighty odd how she knew she could sit there and tell you we're we're going to get this many absentee ballots they were already calculating all this ahead of time in case they knew what they needed to draw upon you know to to make sure they they came over the top yeah. and uh you know when you, i guarantee you when you look back when they actually sit down and count the legal votes that were they're cast in this election in 2020, Donald Trump won that election. I think you're going to see that David Perdue actually won without a runoff. But yes, sir, if you're going to go out there and cheat and take away my important right to vote, you need to be you need to be punished as well as the person that's got there harvesting. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing that we're going to get some education on so that the lawmakers realize it and they go back to it. It's clear that 
harvesting occurred. And you look at Wisconsin and what Justice Gableman found, you know, that operation in those nursing homes was a harvesting operation. Go get the ballots of, uh, of elderly voters who are, you know, well enough to vote and go vote for them and deliver the vote. Uh, we now know it went on in multiple states, and Georgia's clearly one of them. And it's going to be interesting to see where uh, Secretary Raffsenberger and his investigative team go. But the state election board well, you know, took John, it serious. You know, you know, John, they, they need to continue to tighten up on the amount of absentee ballots that we allow out there. This no-excuse absentee ballots has got to go. Yeah. You know, they, so they, many people feel that way up. now. Yes, sir. Tighten up on that and make sure that the only people that are allowed to collect your votes should be those people in your household, period. Yep, yep. that's what the law says. And uh, it's, it's need to, really the way you tighten up is through enforcement. You've got to catch the people cheating and, and, and do that. You know, the most fascinating thing, Mike, I'm going to ask you about this because Arizona was one of the first states more than a decade ago to go to uh, no excuse absentee voting. And they now are in the op, uh, process of reversing that saying it was a bad idea. It leaves too many questions, too much uh, lacking in integrity. We want to go back to the old system, which is if you have a legitimate reason to be absent. All right. You can do an absentee ballot. Everybody else got to show up and vote. The fact that a state that tried it for 10, 12 years now wants to reverse it probably speaks volumes to a state like Georgia that, you know, has tinkered with it a little bit, right? Oh, I agree. There's no, there's nothing like experience and hindsight. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And uh, there's, you know, why would we want to continue to try something that they've already seen that they tried and failed? Yeah, so, so true. I want to pivot to the economy because you, you talk so eloquently about it often. And, you know, I, I once uh, a long time ago as a young reporter was out in the Midwest and uh, I met a mayor. I can't remember the city of the mayor. The mayor said, you know, if you want to learn about what the economy is doing, talk to truckers because they are the ligament that holds our economy together. Uh, they know the farmers. They know the bankers. They know the grocery store owners and the department store operators. Um, you've run this trucking business High gas prices, high inflation, labor market shortage, um, stagflation, because we now just saw the Fed reduce its estimate for growth on GDP down to a much more modest number. Um, what does your vantage point in the trucking industry tell you about the state of this economy? Well, we've always stated that when fuel gets to around $4.50 a gallon, that, that in the trucking industry, no matter what your fuel surcharge is, you're not going to recoup it. In other words, at best, you're going to be treading water and just hope you don't break down because you're going to start losing. You're going to start bleeding cash. And now we have even, uh, because we run a number of uh, independent operators, owner-operators out there, we've seen a lot of them that are starting to shut down their, their trucks. It's cheaper for them to go and park the truck and sit on the sideline while this fuel is so high. So if you thought that it took a little while for what's her face, as she said, get your treadmill um, things are going to get a little tighter. There's still a huge driver shortage out there. There is still a huge equipment shortage out there for people like our company who we depend on rotating our trucks and trading them out. Sure. Uh, sure. Just, just to stay ahead of the depreciation cycles. So, you know, like my, my medium sized company here, we're getting nailed, uh, not only just on the fact of the high fuel prices, but the fact that we can't replace our older equipment. We're having to depreciate, recoup our depreciation on our taxes, and IRS is just having a field day with us. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And uh, it, it, this supply chain shortage, the inability to get vehicles, to get computer chips, it really, um, I think, points to a larger 
uh, issue, which is the American economy doesn't need to be tinkered with. It probably needs to be reinvented, that we resource uh, back into this country the manufacturing Amen, of important brother. things. Amen. Do you think there's enough will in the American people to force its leadership to do this? Because right now the Biden administration is really doing nothing to repatriate uh, supplies. They're, they're glad they leave us hanging on the likes of China and Russia and others. But do you think there's a groundswell? Do you, do you think it's you know, there? John, there are a number of us out there that are running under this America First agenda. And uh, yes, I, you know, unfortunately, it's going to take till November and then next January when you get. And there are there are a few people in Congress right now that are that are fighting like crazy to, to get this back on track. But we have essentially put ourselves in these bad situations. You know, the 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 federal government has regulated and taxed so many manufacturers out there to the point where they had no choice but to go overseas. And then we have allowed the Chinese to infiltrate our our schools and our colleges and our business industries through cheap labor. And, and they've taken all that technology back home. Mm. It is time to run an America first agenda and get this country back on track. And, and as sure as sure as I'm sitting here on the side of the road right now, brother, we are we, there's a number of us that are going up there. We're going to make a difference because we're going to join a small crowd that's already there. And uh, and we'll make sure that we get regulations and taxations under control, and we're going to bring back the manufacturing and the economy back to our country. Yeah, it's amazing. It's such a remarkable moment in history for people to seize. You, and you know, John, that you know that, and that's an, I hate to interrupt you, but 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 you know, you talk about Russia in this oil situation, and 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 uh, the fact that we have basically given. Putin billions of dollars to go fund his own little war over there. Now, if 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 Biden would just say that we're going to turn back on the spigot here and we're going to turn back on the drilling, that on just you know how that works on the news alone, people the price goes down. Yep. Price goes up on stock on a rumor on the news it goes down. It would go down immediately as soon as he would agree to that and that they would open back up this country. Yeah, it's such an amazing missed opportunity, um, uh, repatriation, uh, energy independence, uh, cutting off uh, the dictators of the world from enriching themselves, China, Russia, against our economy or using our economy to enrich themselves. It's an easy recipe, but it seems so hard for Washington to get right, particularly in the Biden years. Um, a remarkable moment. Um, you're out a lot. I check your Twitter feed often, and you are working the retail politics line all the time. It's fun to watch this. When you're with real people, what do they tell you? What are their top priorities? What are they looking for government to finally get right? They want somebody to go and fight. I mean, they are looking for somebody that is hungry, that wants to go stand up for the forgotten men and women across this country that have been out here breaking their necks, making a living, providing for their family, going to church on so just want to be left alone. And it seems like that we we had that, and they they felt what that was like during the Trump administration, and they want that back. You know, they may not be able to. We we all may not be able to sit there and and talk about it in detail, but we know what it felt like. And and I don't care what specter you're from, as far as gender, race, or whatever. They want it back. And uh, you send somebody up there that says they're willing to fight and not stay up there forever, give me some term limits, give me some, some common sense bills that aren't 3,000 pages long, 
and you give me somebody that wants to go and fight and get that this economy back on track, and that's what they want, and that's who they're looking for. It's amazing. It really is. It's such a simple recipe, and yet uh, the elites in Washington and the media elites in New York and the in Hollywood, they're so disconnected from what everyday Americans want. There's a, an enormous opportunity for a new generation of leaders to close that gap. And I know that's why you're running. Um, as you look out over the next uh, few uh, months and as you, you work the campaign, um, what are the signs you're looking for from the economy and from national security that have a concern? I heard the president yesterday was talking about the very real threat that Russia may retaliate in America with some significant cyber attacks. What should we be looking for uh, uh, and preparing for as a country heading into these turbulent times? You know, I think cyber attacks um, have always been there. Uh, good, solid business people are always looking. Uh, I know we've, uh, that's, you know, that's the, probably our, uh, one of our top expenses uh, on the administrative side is I our bet. IT. But uh, we've got to get this inflation under control. Uh, if, if we don't get fuel prices down, uh, you're going to see a worsening, and, and I think we're already in it, of just making sure that you have basic goods on the shelf, and uh, you know that you're going to have you're going to continue to see higher fuel prices, higher food prices, because there's nothing changing from a perspective of Washington D.C. and the Biden administration. And, and unfortunately, John, that's probably not going to change until after this election. Yeah, no, they have a very clear agenda and they're setting it. And uh, the economic indicators or the political indicators are apparently going to be damned. Uh, they're going to stick to their guns and uh, and execute, which um, I think puts a lot of America in, in great uh, unease to know that that's the course. You speak a lot about this, and I, I think, you know, we saw the power of this in the Virginia election in November, but the idea that governments and legislatures and hopefully Congress someday will establish a parent's bill of rights to ensure that parents really are in charge of their children's education and the shaping of their uh, children's values. Um, are Do you think this becomes a seminal issue in the 2022 election like it did in Virginia? Oh, I think it very well could. Uh, you know, uh, parents out here all across the 10th district, especially, they don't want anything to do with this CRT mess. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just the, the fact that the CRT mess, it's the fact that, that we have, we have mask mandates and vaccine mandates. It's just a mandate after mandate. And, and we've had the opportunity to step back and say, why are we turning our kids over at such an early, early age to let the government to raise, raise them? even in preschool and in, and in daycare. And, you know, John, it would be great for us to be able to offer and to get back if people wanted the option to have a single family income where one of those spouses could stay home and help raise those kids and, and get them off to a good start. And, and I think that's going to be another big issue for the years coming forward. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. It is, and uh, we're looking for it. Um, it seems to me that America is crying out for a new contract with America, something like what Newt Gingrich offered the country back in uh, uh, 1994, and what was really, at that point, a landmark uh, election. Uh, do you think the leadership of the Republican Party is ready to put down the 10 or 12 principles that they are going to deliver once they're, if they're back in power, do you think that the, a clear, concise, straightforward agenda is uh, important to have for the party? I think if we don't, 
Hey, because, you know, John, we have given the leadership to the Republicans several times here lately. That's right. And, and, they, and they have squandered it. And, and if we don't set good, solid leadership and a Speaker of the House that sets goals, you give me a six-month goal, a one-year goal, an 18-month goal, just like I do in my business, and if we can't deliver what you want, then you change us out. Yeah. But if we don't sit down and tell the American people that we want A, B, C, and D, and, and this is the time frame we're going to do it in, we don't deserve to be there. The, the, the go up there and the happy clappy, go out to dinner and cocktail parties, man, those days are done. I'm not going up there for that. But if you want me to go up there and say, listen, I want good, clean bills. I don't want 2,000-page bills. You give me a – you want to talk about infrastructure, give me a 10-page infrastructure bill. Balanced budget amendment. Yeah, we need that passed right now. But we need to go ahead and start balancing the budget. As a matter of fact, we need to go ahead and start doing appropriation bills. It's a shame that we don't do that. We do these omnibus budgets, and then we turn around six months later, guess what? We're out of cash. It's unbelievable, you know, isn't it? If we, would, if we would sit down and set down our goals, put out our goals to the American people, and let them grade us on that, I think you're going to see a lot more efficient government. Yeah, such an amazing moment in history. The American public are so clear what they want and what they need. It'll be interesting to see if the Republicans on the ground like you and the Republican leaders, more importantly, in Washington can coalesce around a clear agenda and and, and articulate. I think there's a, a landmark or a landslide uh, election ahead if they if they do that. I think that's what we see in the oh, polling boy. data. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amazing. You know, it, it's an incredible moment in history, like you just said. Because it's not only a, an opportunity to put Republicans into a majority, but you have the opportunity to really look and put the right Republican into that seat. Because, you, I mean, you look at our race. We've got eight people running in this yeah. race. You really need to do your homework to look and see exactly who is running and what they really stand for and what they've done to prove what they say. You know, it's, it's not that hard to look up talking points. And everybody get on talking about, but show me proof of who you are and what you really believe in. And yep. that's where the opportunity lies in this midterm election. And boy, we can make some, man, we can make some changes in Washington. Yeah. We're going. It could be a mandate election. If, if, if the Republicans play their cards right, it could be the sort of election where you come out with such a clear mandate like we did in 1994. The country had a very clear message and, and you know we made a lot of progress we had a balanced budget for a few years back in the 90s which sure a lot is. of people forget yeah now we're trillions of dollars away from a balanced budget it's crazy last question i want to ask i know you're a big second amendment uh fan and georgia has joined uh what is now going to be pretty soon 26 states in the last 18 months have passed constitutional carry or permitless carry as they call it. um your thought on that and why the uh, this movement has swept so quickly across the country. Well, the constitutional carry is, is should be a right of any American that if you have a, if you, if you have nothing in your background, we shouldn't have to have a permit to carry. That's what our Second Amendment guarantees us. And you know, if I, I've had a concealed carry, and for me, and the joke with, with a couple of friends of mine, every time we go somewhere, do we reciprocate with this state or that state? But uh, yeah, Georgia, and, and I have not read if they have finalized that bill yet or not, but there was a few provisions in there that I didn't really like. I want a clean constitutional carry. I don't want something that's, that's going to be, if, you, uh, if you've had some issue here, issue there, uh, way back when, that you're not allowed to have a constitutional carry. I think it should be nationwide. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's what people are really moving in. You know, we're halfway there. By the end of this, by the end of this summer, it looks like twenty six states will have gotten it done, and uh, and you know that is a, a groundswell from just two years ago when it was just sort of an inkling in most people's eye. It's a really remarkable change in a very short period of time. It's ex- it's exciting to see. Mike, how do people follow your campaign and what you're doing and stay in touch with you? They can uh, they can go to mikecollinsga.com and uh, you can use that mikecollinsga and you can you know surf across all the social medias and and keep up with us and uh, certainly if you're in the 10th district of Georgia I would love to have your support and love to have your vote you know I I know that we've been up in the polls they they've had us up as much as 20 26 points and 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 like I said there's over eight people running in this race yeah but uh, but we enjoy old school politicking. Uh, this morning I was on phone calls until 10 o'clock, and then I was out knocking doors until about five minutes before I called you. <laughs> and I've got I've got in-person meetings starting about 1:30, and then I finish up with a board meeting tonight, and to probably get home by 10:30 tonight. So this short night tonight. It's a hard working job, but it's uh, it changes you. You know, every candidate who runs for office say the experience of being with everyday people for, you know, months at a time intensely, it actually changes you as a person, as a kid. It adds something that, you know, until you do it, you don't know. It seems like an amazing opportunity. Yes, sir. And it's amazing how many people are are, are awake out here. They are awake and they want to see change. Yeah. And they're going to get it. No, they're not. You can't pull the wool over their eyes any longer. They, they know what's going on. Mike, it is always an honor to have you on. Always have a great conversation, a great common sense conversation. Look forward to staying in touch and keeping on, uh, keep in touch with you as this race carries out through the end. Well, I appreciate you having me on, John. Anytime. Love talking to you. You as well. Thank we'll you. talk soon. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. All Bye. right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports from Just the News. Before we go, we always got a partner that I want to shout out because they make this show possible. They make the investigative and enterprise reporting like what you heard from Greg Piper today. Our partners, our advertisers, our sponsors, they are the people that make this possible. And one of them is Alto IRA. Alto IRA. A-L-T-O-I-R-A. When you're thinking IRA, you're right. We're talking about individualized retirement account. Well, what has Alto done? Well, they made it possible for the first time to trade in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies and bring them into your retirement savings strategy, your IRAs. 
your tax advantage to IRAs. So if you're ready to take your investments to the next level, the crypto level, we've been talking a lot about that on the show. Guess what? You can diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches by opening up an Alto crypto IRA with as little as, get a load of this, it only takes $10 to get in the game. Why not take a crack at cryptocurrency? Put it into your portfolio and see what the heck has happened. You got nothing to lose, right? So just go to altoira.com. A-L-T-O-I-R-A dot com slash Just News. You know that little end to the URLs. We use it often to get you discounts and extraordinary opportunities. Now, if you go to that URL, altoira.com slash Just News, you are going to get an opportunity to learn how to start investing in cryptocurrencies and make it part of the portfolio of your retirement savings plans, your IRA and Alto IRA is going to be something worth it. And listen, the markets are very volatile right now, the traditional stock markets, and you know gold, silver, Bitcoin, some great ways to create some diversification, some hedging, some opportunity to get value growth, even when the market might be turning down in traditional stocks. Check out our good friends at altoira.com slash justnews right now to check out an incredible offer just for you. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Hey, don't miss our TV show tonight. You know why? Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, that Kyle Rittenhouse, the guy from Kenosha, Wisconsin, the guy you quitted, the guy smeared by the media. He's going to be joining Amanda and I on the Just the News, Not Noise television show tonight, Real America's Voice, 6 p.m. Channel 219 on Dish Network, Channel 240 on the Pluto TV Network. If you like Pluto, we are on all the apps, the Real America's Voice app. We're on the Roku app the Apple TV app, the Samsung TV app. And of course, you can download the Just the News app, right? We've got an app. If you didn't know that, go get the app, get it on your phone. If you're a John Solomon Reports podcast fan or a Just the News fan, we have both an Apple and an Android app. Whatever device you got, your mobile device, get that app for God's sakes, put it on your phone. And then if you want to watch my show every night with Amanda Head, by the way, Amanda's amazing, just click on the watch button down below. Watch makes it easy. You go right to the TV page, pick my show, Just the News, Not Noise, and watch Amanda and I. We have a great one. And tonight, we're going to have Kyle Rittenhouse. Buckle your seatbelt, folks. It's going to be a newsy night. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from justthenews.com. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www 
TWC Health slash Just News today in order. That's TWC.health slash Just News and use the promo code Just News to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.